Talking about decolonization of aid is a dangerous path to travel. Humanitarianism still saves millions of lives every year. Or decolonization could be an entire divorce of the idea that someone has a real idea of what is better for the other, letting go entirely of paternalism. Two quotes, two beautiful quotes. It was during the third session of the series of dialogues Kuno organized about the decolonization of aid, Tamam Aludat came forward with these firm and enlightening statements. Aludat is managing director at the Global Health Center of the Graduate Institute of International and Development Studies in Geneva. In this series about the decolonization of aid, we explore how our colonial history still reflects in current humanitarian working modes. And we explore how to change the humanitarian system. We ask carefully selected speakers to open up a conversation with a statement and engage in a dialogue after that. The opening statement of Aludat is impressive. You can hear the full webinar with statements of both speakers and their dialogue in the longer podcast. For now, enjoy the next 12 minutes. Please listen to Tamam Aludat. Let me just start by qualifying one thing. Um, there, the, the ability to talk about decolonizing in the context of humanitarianism is fraught with problems. One of the problems is that we haven't yet defined in any serious way what decolonizing means and uh, how would it take shape? What would we end up with uh, if, if we actually manage to successfully decolonize? Uh, and that's risky because uh, uh, humanitarianism today, while being imperfect and, uh, and at times problematic, um, still provides life-saving services and care for millions of people. MSF, where I've worked for the last 10 years of my career, uh, treats uh, uh, millions of patients uh, every uh, every year. And in some of the places that wouldn't ha where such medical care wouldn't be accessible. So I'll tell you, um, in my opinion, what decolonizing isn't. Decolonizing isn't throwing away what it, you know, Professor um, what Thea, if I may, uh, uh, called the you know, baby with the bathwater. That isn't it. We do not have a position, a moral standing to say we need to decolonize despite patients or despite people who are aiding. That's not... Um, a place I personally would feel uh, anywhere near comfortable talking about. So if we're not talking about dismantling, throwing away the humanitarian system tomorrow, then what are we talking about? Let me start by um, my object. <laughs> and, and I've uh, thought about it uh, quite a bit. I have um, uh, one of the symbols of humanitarianism have chased me throughout my career uh, 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 symbol of fascination, but then as one of uh, uh, doubt, actually. And that's, uh, thank you for putting the, the presentation. Now, that is this. When I was about to join humanitarian aid, and that was in the International Federation of Red Cross, one of the things that meant, you know, that transformation for me is being in this uh, vehicle. Uh, and let's face it, it's tempting. It's something, you know, that defines you. It's an identity issue. You drive or sit beside a driver in a um, land cruiser and you're in, in you know, um, you're uh, un unbeatable. This is what humanitarianism is. It takes you everywhere. Now, give it a thought then from a lens of uh, um, 
decolonize it. This vehicle is a symbol and a very potent one. This vehicle is external, is foreign. It comes to places. And uh, those of you who know that the J70, this model of Land Cruiser is not manufactured anymore commercially. It's only manufactured for the humanitarian system and some armies. It's white. It's always white. There's no good reason why the cars need to be white, but they are. Um, the ICRC, at least in my memory, when I was on my first mission, still had Geneva license plates on cars in Baghdad where I worked. It's decidedly external. It's decidedly not local. It's decidedly coming to do stuff that the local cars do not uh, want to do or cannot do. And it's tough and it can do it. Next slide, please. Then you dig a little bit into the symbolism of that. And this is the reality. This is a photo from an OSF project. That massive monster of a car can get bogged in the mud, in the marches. And this is an image of where a local tractor is actually dragging an MSF car from the mud. But this is one that you wouldn't find many humanitarian organizations use as a, um, on their publications or in their tweets. There are plenty of things that are problematic about land cruisers, including that you can more likely find land cruisers used as a clinics with usually uh, northern white European doctors and nurses, uh, black or brown, brown people from the field uh, are there as mechanics in many cases. Uh, the fact that uh, um, uh, the land cruisers carry this uh, um, um, Use usage that has become synonymous, which is ex again external uh, and, 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 and benevolent and is not possible to do otherwise because the cars cannot be done. So let me take that, take that a, a couple of steps further. And besides plant cruisers, uh, one of the things is, is so what do we mean by uh, colonialism? You know, when you say decolonize the humanitarian system, you are accusing the humanitarian system of being colonial. What does that mean? I think one of the complaints about this is very right. Uh, you know, the humanitarian system is not our country. It doesn't invade anyone. And it's not part of, of a, a, um, an army or an administration that is taking over other people's lives. And that's true. The more uh, relevant um, explanation that, that I would use is not that of the humanitarian system being a colonial system itself, but of it being a subordinate to the colonial system, to the hegemonic system, to the system of absolute imbalance of power that we still live in, which is largely inherited from days of colonialism. What does that make us? We're not, we're not um, the colonial soldiers. We don't go to defend the empire. But it's going to be very difficult to say uh, in that metaphor, we're not the colonial doctors, we're not the colonial policemen, or we're not the colonial administrators. Day to day, we do jobs that save lives, that do well. But in the end of the day, what we are not examining is, are we, while doing our jobs, perpetuating the power of a system that is discriminatory and unfair? And I think there is some views of that. Uh, Michel Agier looked at it and used... Um, extended a metaphor that is used about the state 
and, and called humanitarianism the left hand of the empire. And by that he meant the right hand is the army, the right hand is the drones and bombs and political pressure and so on, whereby the powerful can coerce the weak to do what they want. But you cannot only use coercion and humanitarianism, at least by donors, is used as a counterbalancing of the force and one that makes it look le less bad but is directed at the same level of control. Um, and if that is the case, then who is um, the problematic figure? And I think um, part of using decolonizing as a, as a framework is useful in, in using the thought and knowledge that is given to us by 100 years of anti-colonial and post-colonial thought. And in that sense, I, I will borrow a metaphor from George Orwell's uh, Burmese days. And George Orwell was a policeman of, of the British Empire in Burma, and he wrote it. And the central place in that is the uh, European club, which is denied to the Burmese, allowed to the white people. And the figure in the middle is, the, uh, is that of the brown doctor, of, of Dr. Veraswamy, who's uh, who's both, uh, who both dreams of entering the European club because that will elevate his social status and recognize him. His social status doesn't come from him being the best educated person in that group or being the most competent. It is from being admitted there. And he, hence, is put in a place whereby his only recourse is to praise the empire, is to tell the white guy how Britain has civilized us, and what have we been before it? And this co-option of people who are um, part of the system it, it nuances a little bit. We cannot; we are not in a place where we can say, "Yeah, this is a, an absolutely vertical and dis disaggregated uh, system." Us here, people who aren't uh, uh, white and European and who are capable of speaking on this platform, it disproves the absolute segregation. But the examination that we're not able to do, which I worry about every day, is am I trying to chip out the basis of discrimination in this system? Or am I, by doing this, just making it look better, hence survive its place in the uh, hierarchies of power? So what is, what is decolonizing then? Um, uh, the simple answer is I really don't know. Uh, what decolonizing could entail, though, is um, an, an entire divorce from the idea that someone knows what's better for others more than themselves. And that doesn't translate neatly into localization as what was put in the grand bargain. And the grand bargain has a, a caricature version of that. Because I've sat in some of the meetings preparing for the grand bargain where um, local organizations were invited to Geneva. And most of what they were told in that meeting is please shorten your speech. That's too long. You don't have more than five minutes, regardless of what they have to say. So this tokenistic representation is not that. Well, and, and, and not every local actor just by being local is absolutely legitimate without question. The agency needs to find its way to the people who are receiving the aid and that is not as straightforward as having a, uh, uh, what is in the grand bargain. Even that, as we all know, hasn't worked as swimmingly as, as was promised. Um, 
is, is giving up the paternalism, the paternalism of a system that assumes that, uh, that, that uh, uh, someone sitting in, in, in a headquarters will always know better what a humanitarian intervention should be than, than someone sitting in a community uh, or from that community. There are cases that remain. In my 20 years of career, there were two. In Indian Ocean tsunami and Haiti earthquake, where there was zero possibility of having a community-based or led decision on what interventions to have. Every other time, that wasn't the case. The final thing I will say is um, a humanitarian system um, that is decolonized is probably one that looks entirely differently. And that is what we end up arguing about most of the time. Unfortunately, rather than argue, how are we potentially co-opted by a, an increasing, increasingly neoliberal national populists and oppressive global system, we argue whether our headquarters should stay in Europe or go to the field or if we decentralize or not decentralize. That's not the argument. The argument is where do we fall into the system and are we part of it keeping its power or part of opposing that? And that is a question that no single one will answer, but a more democratic, increasingly critical system will hopefully be able to do. Thank you very much.